the numbers only tell you part of the story because the running game of the Buckeyes was pivotal to how efficient the Buckeyes offense was over the weekend and a big win over Western Kentucky. You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily podcast on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Buckeye fans? Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Buckeyes. For the Locked On Podcast Network, I'm your host, Jay Stevens, also the host of the Jay Stevens Podcast. It is Tuesday, September 19th in the year 2023. And this episode is brought to us by our friends at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase during today's episode we will discuss the massive improvement we saw from the Buckeyes offensive line on Saturday and I will also unveil my college football top 10 but first the rewatch was something that going into it I kind of thought we had the story of the game Kyle McCord efficient only four completions three passing touchdowns over 300 passing yards Marv got loose. Abuka got loose. Case over, got a got a few catches, and the offense just flowed defensively. They were in control of the game most of the time. And so when it comes to this game specifically, it's not so much the opponent that you're looking at and saying, well, how does how can we evaluate the game, the rewatch, based off the opponent? That's not how you do it. What did the team do positively or negatively that impacted the final outcome? And a lot of these things that we saw in the rewatch were positive. There were a few things that we may touch on during tomorrow's show. That's not set in stone, just a thought because of some things that we witnessed during the game over the weekend defensively. But offensively, when I look at this team, we see the numbers offensively. We see the passing yards. We even see a freshman in Cardinal Tate get his first time um, getting on the field, well, excuse me, getting catching his first touchdown pass of his career. And I'm like, okay, great. This is a great sign of things to come in the future. What about the guys that were in the game most of the time? How does, what did they do offensively to impact the final outcome? The passing game gets a lot of the conversation, a lot of the attention, but my eyeballs were fixated on the running game of the Buckeyes. The final numbers don't really tell you a full story as far as did they have a 100-yard rusher? No. Did they have a guy that really just went off? Kinda. Kinda. But what you saw was Trevion, 13 carries. Chip Trainum, 5 carries. Mayan, 5 carries. When those three backs were on the field, you could even add in another running back in Evan Pryor, 3 carries, 12 yards. And Xavier Johnson's kind of a Swiss Army knife. They played him at running back a little bit as well. Two carries, 13 yards. Just efficient. Getting in there, not trying to do too much, trying to stay within the confines of the playbook and realizing we're not going to get all of the touches we used to get a year ago under the old rules. Also, we might not always get the touches we used to get with the new rules because of how quick the offense can score and how quickly the offense scored on Saturday. But Travion Henderson, I have been critical of him. We have seen some better play of him lately. Chip Trainum, I still think that man needs at least 10 to 15 touches a game. You can say 15 to 18 touches. 
And maybe if it's um, passing game, running game, whatever it might be, I do believe Chip needs the ball at his hand more. And with them using Mayan Williams in more of a lesser role, I wonder, is that just going to be his role for the rest of the season? Or during the Notre Dame game and beyond, will we see Mayan have a bigger piece of the pie, bigger role with the Buckeyes offense? Whatever it is, these running backs are just coming in, not trying to be outside of themselves and doing their job. And Travion Henderson, yes, he had a second game where he hurdled over a defender. I would never advise somebody to make that move, ever, ever, ever. Not, not in the way that he's doing it. Now, if somebody is down a little bit lower and all of a sudden you know you can get over, get around them in that way, great. But, man, he's jumping. Now, how about explosive, athletic human beings? Trevia Henderson fits that bull, fits that bill. Now, combine, Simicky goes and declares for the NFL draft, maybe after this year or next year. What are you going to see at the combine? We're going to see a guy that's probably going to test very well. Decent, decent to a, um, uh, above average 40 time. I'm not saying he's going to be blazing fast, but he has good speed for a running back. What else do you want to see? He has some decent hands. Those will be on display. What else will you see? And the measurables, the three-cone drill, um, the broad jump, the vertical, you're probably going to see a guy that tests very well. Now, I know that's at the earliest in February, if not February, the following February when those type of tests will be performed by Trevian Henderson. So I'm not going to try to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you're looking at a guy who was going to test very well at the events, the, the combine, the pro day, etc. those events like that. But the running game is not one person. The offensive line did a lot better job, a lot better than they have been, of consistently moving a man across from them. That also goes to the coaches, and I'll get in. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. It also goes to Ryan Day and Hartline realizing, hey, what are the strengths of our offense in the running game category? Do we need to have a guy rush for 100, 125, 150 every game? No, you don't. The Buckeyes have always had really good running backs, and you can go back to uh, J.K. Dobbins. Uh, Trey Sermon came in during 2020, really had a phenomenal run towards the end of the season during that shortened year in college football. Um, he he did phenomenal things there. Uh, Mike Weber, really, really good. Uh, Carlos Hyde, really, really good. Boom Heron, good running back. Uh, uh, Beanie Wells, good running back. I mean, I could go, man, it's 15, 20, 30 40 years of really good running back play at Ohio. Keith Byers, uh, Eddie George. Uh, do I need to keep going? Maurice Claret? I could go on and on and on. They have a history of really good running back play. A good running back is one thing. Having an offense that fits the running back that is there is, is another thing. Having an offensive line that is being able to cater to the strengths of the back behind them is another. But also, these coaches are figuring something out slowly now. We've, we're only in the first quarter, completed the first quarter of the Buckeye season. Quarters, um, there's breakdown into four, breakdown into fours, three, six, nine, twelve. Finish the first three games of the season, and so we're we don't fully have a full picture of what the Buckeyes can be offensively, defensively, or as an entire team. Not there yet. We'll get more of that when we get through the halfway mark, the six game mark of the season, when we finish the second quarter of the season to get a better idea of what this Buckeye team offensively, defensively, overall might be this season. But for right now, through the first three games of the year, we have seen a, an improved running game. 
consistent running game. Would I love to have a Buckeye that had 125 to 150 rushing yards in a game? Yes. Is that going to happen? Maybe. But if it doesn't, we're seeing a team that is quickly adjusting to the skill sets of the athletes that are on the field for the Buckeyes offense, especially in the run game category. If things keep going the way they are and things keep getting better, what are we going to see? We're going to see a Buckeye football team. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. That'll be make, and that will make a lot of noise down the road because of how efficient they are running the football. You're not, you can't be efficient running the football if the guys blocking for the backs aren't doing their job jobs well. The O-line took a massive step forward over the weekend. I'll unveil what the rewatch told me about this group of five next on Locked on Buckeyes. This episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Once again, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Billiards Plus. Billiards Plus has the best selection of pool tables, game tables, shuffleboard tables, and more. And the best service in Central Ohio. And did you know? Billiards Plus has top-of-the-line grills with up to 30-year warranties that's longer than most roofs. Billiards Plus carries the best pool tables from Brunswick, Alhausen, Canada, Billiards, and more. Plus, top-of-the-line grills from PK, Napoleon, Memphis, and Griddle that could very well be the last grill you owe. The perfect gift for any occasion is in stock at Billiards Plus. Go big with an awesome pool table or shuffleboard table or a little more modest with a dartboard or poker table. No matter the season, Billiards Plus has you covered for all your indoor and outdoor entertainment needs. And the people at Billiards Plus are the best part of the experience. Kenny, Sarah, and the whole staff will take amazing care of you. Billiards Plus, visit their showroom on Dublin Center Drive in Dublin. The college football season is here, and this season, Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, the conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. You also won't want to miss what's going to happen with the Buckeyes offensive line if the improvement we saw from them over the weekend continues going forward against Notre Dame and beyond. Why? Because we could be. And I don't want to be uh, get too far ahead of myself. I re- realize, yes, it's only one game. But we could be in the midst and looking at a Buckeyes team that could be using the same five on the offensive line 
the same unit that struggled a little bit while playing the football early in the season against Indiana, against Youngstown State. A unit that has three new starting line, three new starters, and a unit that has a new guy at left tackle, former G5 player who is now playing Ohio at Ohio State, who is also playing left tackle for the first time in his life. There are so many variables involved with this. Might I add, you have a new quarterback who is going to be communicating with this group of five, and you have Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones looking to work with new players on the right and left sides of them respectively. So what do you have? So many variables with this unit that when we say, hey, the offensive line is not playing good, do you realize the context and, and how serious their play is to the importance of the offense flowing? Do we all realize what goes into being a starting offensive lineman at Ohio State or being a starting O-lineman on any level of football, a lot of times most people don't. However, however, with this position being one of the hardest ones to de to depict and to say, oh, he's doing his job and he's not doing his job, you're going to hear a lot of people that will come out and say different things about the unit and some of the things they're saying don't make sense. What does make sense is this. The offensive line did a phenomenal job over the weekend showing the improvement and improving their play. They give up a sack. It was one of those things that even during the broadcast, I went back and watched a TV copy there. Brock Hewitt, former NFL quarterback, ended up making a statement saying, as a quarterback, you have your internal clock. Now, Kyle McCord is getting his first time consistently playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back games. Also, first-time full-time starter at Ohio State. So the speed of the game is a faster to him than it ever has been in college or consistently. It may have been ultra fast when he was doing it when he first got to college, going from high school to college. Won't throw that out the window and say that's not an option, but no. It's coming, man. It's coming at you. And I thought initially that play was blocked very, very well. Um, pocket was there, but you had a, if you hold your block a half a second longer, I forget which right side of the offensive line that uh one lineman on the right side of the line was the one that gave up that sack but a half second longer or 0.75 seconds longer whatever it is what do you find that might not be a sack but credit western kentucky credit youngstown state credit indiana for finding a way to make sometimes the offensive line of ohio state a little flustered and frustrated in the way they're playing the football but really during the during the rewatch the O-line showed a lot of improvement, man. A lot of improvement from Simmons to Jackson to Hensman to Jones to Fryer. They played, they made a lot and showed a lot of improvement. And I think this could be a sign of good things to come. And it's not just in the passing game where they showed improvement, but in the offensive line, the run game, a lot of those runs that, and I mentioned, didn't mention something early in the run game conversation where I got to give a player props for doing some phenomenal things in the run blocking category. We'll touch on that here in a second. But, man, a lot of these runs Harrison has, he's there is a hole. Or if it's an outside stretch type of run, but he can get to the second level sometimes untouched. Why? Because the offensive linemen are taking a sense of pride. I don't know this firsthand. I haven't talked to them. I can just watch the film and feel like, they're taking a sense of pride in their play, in their work, in their productivity, and saying, "Hey, if I'm if I have uh if I'm if I output if I if I play as negative and it's negatively impacting the players that are around me, how about I dig within myself, find a way to be a little bit more 
productive on the field so that at the end of the day, what are we looking at? Looking at a Buckeye football team that is good, good, and they're so good. Ultimately, at the end of the day, oh, they're so good that it's you can't criticize them. You won't be able to come out and say, so-and-so did this wrong. So-and-so did that wrong. Why? Because that unit, that it's been so easy to point the finger at and say, oh, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. Because that unit there, specifically this one, it's gotten better and a lot better. I did not think between weeks two and three, the Buckeyes would take this massive step forward with the play on the offensive line. Didn't think so at all. Didn't, didn't, was it in my thoughts? Was it in my head? Was nowhere to be found. But I'm glad it happened. Now, let's go back to the running game, running game conversation a little bit earlier in the show. And I'm there in the stadium watching the game, and uh, wife is next to me, um, elementary school principals to my right, and uh, 100,000, 100,000, 217 people were at the game on Saturday. I'm like, wow, this is insane. Every time I go in the shoe, I'm just amazed at how many people flock to Columbus to watch the boys play. Henderson, Henderson gets to run. I forget if it was the right side or the left side of the line at this time, so forgive me for that. But Henderson gets the um, gets the ball, gets the handoff. Henderson um, runs, scores a touchdown. And I remember in the moment, didn't see the entire block from this receiver, but all I saw was number four. And all I saw was his shoulder running the defender back towards the line of scrimmage, away from the blocker who was going to come right behind him off his hip. Henderson goes outside. Fleming pushes this guy inside diagonally back towards the line of scrimmage. And this was not after. Now, in the rewatch, I saw Henderson, excuse me, Fleming, Julian Fleming went to the block. He engaged, had control. The defender tried to steer him a different way. Fleming saw where the ball was coming. Said, okay, cool. I'll allow you to use your momentum to help my guy get to the end zone. The other time Henderson scored in this game, who was outside blocking as a lead blocker as a receiver? Blocking downfield, Julian Fleming, the young man who gets a lot of negative attention because he's not as big of a piece of the pie in the passing game as some Buckeye fans believe the third receiver should be. And I'm one, I, I believe, and I thought we would get more from Fleming in the pass, uh, in the pass catching game. Hasn't happened yet. What we have got is this: a man who knows his role and is consistently doing his role very, very. Well, Julian Fleming, wide receivers blocking downfield, I love to see it, and I hope you do too, because my gut tells me we're going to get more of that from number four later on this season. What we will get later on this season is me unveiling my top 10 in college football. Every week, beginning of the week, I will be unveiling my top 10. Did do it yesterday. Got the paper in front of me. With my ballot, who is in my top 10 in college football at the end of week three? I'll unveil that next on Locked on Buckeyes. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports 
music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the right, the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on college for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guarantee your ohio state buckeyes play the notre dame fighting irish saturday at 7 30 p.m eastern time catch every snap of the buckeyes hometown broadcast with serious xm on the sxm app search buckeyes my top 10 is something that I have enjoyed doing each week. It's not only a way for me to um, kind of exercise and look at and see where teams fall in college football, but also it goes to kind of seeing how there's always going to be an ebb and flow in how things go in the sport. 10 through 1, I will say that we could go ahead to book guys to do, but I do believe at 8, they're not at 8 this week. They're up one at number seven. I always try to do my top 10 and look at each week, compile things, the notes and the news from the season. Remember what's happened, take notes, but then realize who is my favorite to win the natty, who's number two, number three, number four, so on and so forth. Do I think the Buckets at the end of the season will be the seventh, my seventh um, favorite to win the natty? No, but right now, it's kind of where things are. First two games of the season are why they are at number seven. If they played every game like they did it over the weekend, there's a good chance they'd be in the top three, top two, or maybe even number one. Ten through one, my top ten in college football after three weeks played in the sport. Number ten, Oregon. This is one that was going to be hard because I wanted to put Oklahoma at 10. Oklahoma's 11. Oregon, number 10. Number nine, Washington. Number eight. Notre Dame. Might I add real quick, though? <laughs> Two of the number number 10 team, number 19, 4B. Those are future Big Ten teams. Uh, number uh, eight is Notre Dame. That's a team the Buckeyes are playing um, in a few days. So two future Big Ten teams. A team in the Midwest and Notre Dame that should be in the Big Ten, my guess is within the next two to five years, they will be in the Big Ten football conference. Uh, number seven, Ohio State. Number six, Michigan. Really close to having the Buckeyes jump them. Couldn't do it. Number five, Penn State. Number four, USC. Number three, Texas. Number two, Florida State. Number one, Georgia. My thought after the first two Colorado games, I know I'm throwing Dion or Coach Prime or whatever you want to refer to him as in this conversation because I thought, hey, maybe, just maybe, if they blow out Colorado State and make a big statement uh, against their rival, which really Colorado State ain't that good, but whatever it is, whatever it is. If if Colorado made a, uh, blew them out, say 60 to 23, 24, whatever it may have been, it's a big ask. But if it happened, probably would have had Colorado closer to the top 10. Don't think they're a top 10 team, 
but probably would have had Colorado closer to the top 10. Um, Colorado right now in my bow, in my bout is number 16. Alabama's 13. I was really close to putting them outside the top 15. I don't trust that team right now. Uh, realize they named and announced they starting quarterback. Cool. Great. The O-line issues that I saw, they're still going to be there. And so I did this now. I do think Alabama. I don't know if they're going to beat Ole Miss on Saturday, but if they happen to um, lose, I mean, of course, they lose outside the top 25. If they win, but it's not a convincing win, they still might be 13, 14, or 15 in my ballot, and Colorado might jump them. Wow. What a time to be alive and to be a college football fan. Um, Another Big Ten team I had in my top 25 is uh, Iowa. And forgive me, I believe Iowa's number 23 right now in my ballot. I am looking forward to the rest of the season. Georgia schedule's pretty easy. easy. Michigan schedule's pretty easy. Um, Florida State and Texas looking to see if they can continue this um, path they are on. Oklahoma and Oregon, watch out. This the, These two can make some noise, as well as Washington. The winner of Notre Dame, Ohio State, depending on how the game is played, very well, they'll probably be a top five team. Like, just being honest. If Ohio State wins or Notre Dame wins, you'll probably see me next week in my top ten say the winner of that matchup is a top five team in my ballot going forward. Do I think there'll be a playoff team? That's a different conversation. The top four teams right now on my ballot are all the teams that I'll put in the playoff. Sorry, Buckeye fans. I can't do it yet. The good thing is, We've only played three games so far. Well, the Buckeyes have, not me. I ain't playing. I'm here behind a microphone talking to you. But when that time comes, get more games. Get more improvements. Get some losses from teams that are in the top 10, top 15, top 20. What are we going to see? The Buckeyes keep getting better and winning. Man, they will be top five, top four, top three. Maybe number one down the road. Big ask, man. Notre Dame's a good football team. It's a big ask, man, to try to figure out a way for the Buckeyes offensively and defensively to put a four-quarter game together that allows them to propel them to victory over the Fighting Irish. It can be done. It's still a tall task when you're going on the road, Notre Dame Stadium, South Bend, Indiana, to play that team. In prime time. Out of here, guys, on a Tuesday. You can follow me on X at jstevens07. That is also known as Twitter. You can also send your emails to jstevens317 at gmail.com. We're out of here on a Tuesday. Buckeye fans, be back tomorrow for our stock watch, stock up, stock down. And also turning the page to looking towards the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Might do a little um, buy the number segment tomorrow to try to compare the two teams. Try to change things up. Let's see how we change things up tomorrow on the show. Tune in. Subscribe to Locked on Buckeyes. See you don't miss a beat.